There is an unseen hand to me that leads Welcome to the Unseen Hand Podcast, featuring the pulpit ministry of missionary evangelist Ronnie Brown. Listen in as Brother Ronnie shares the truth of the Bible and how God's unseen hand can lead and guide your life with each and every verse. This hand still leads me as I go. Turn to Job chapter number 23. We've been doing this series for several weeks now on on, uh, the but gods of the Bible. Where God interrupts. And God interrupts our lives in several ways. He interrupts our perspective. Uh, he interrupts our, our uh, progeny. He interrupts our persecutions, our sufferings. God interrupts our lives in several different areas. And today I want you to realize from the book of Job how that the Lord interrupts our solitude, our loneliness. Notice, let's stand. Job chapter 23. Look at verse 1. Job chapter 23. Look at verse 1. Job 23, 1 says, Then Job answered and said, Even today is my complaint bitter. My stroke is heavier than my groaning. Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come even to his seat. I would order my cause before him and fill my mouth with arguments. I would know the words which he would answer me and understand what he would say unto me. Will he plead against me with his great power? No, but he would put strength in me. There the righteous might dispute with him, Should I, so should I be delivered forever from my judge. Behold, I go forward but he is not there, and backwards, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand where he doth work, but I cannot behold him, he hideth himself on the right hand that I cannot see him. Look at verse 10. But he, talking about God, but he knoweth the way that I take, and when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. My foot hath hath held his steps, His way have I kept and not declined. Neither have I gone back from the commandment of His lips. I have esteemed the words of His mouth more than my necessary food. Look at verse 10 again. But He knoweth the way that I take. You can be seated. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. And I want to look how God interrupts our solitude. But God knoweth the way that I take. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we love you. We are so thankful that you are our shepherd. God, I don't have to worry about what happens tomorrow because you hold tomorrow. You see the hills and valleys that lay before us. You know where the green pastures are, where the still water flows. Oh, Father, lead us as a great shepherd. God, there are going to be those valleys of the shadow of death. There are going to be those times of loneliness. Let us be comforted in the fact that you interrupt right in the midst of our loneliest period, right in the midst of our solitude, Father. You break through. God, I pray you do that for somebody today. There's somebody here today, Father, that is in the loneliest of periods right now. Their struggle and their suffering has led to isolation, led to solitude. 
Father, we pray you'd give them assurance that you know where they are. You know their steps that they take. You know they're down sitting and they're uprising, Father. You know the path that they take. And God, let them be comforted by that thought. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. If there was ever a man that felt lonely, isolated, and in solitude, it was the man Job. Job is one of, for, for chronology's sake, Job would be counted as the first book of the Bible. If you were to order this Bible chronologically, Job is one of the earliest writings in Holy Writ. And it is one of the, uh, the most difficult ones to follow after. The one, but it's one of the most insightful books that we can learn from in our lives. You see, Job was a man whose world in an instant came crashing down on him. He lost his children in an instant. He lost his wealth in an instant. And eventually lost his health. When the dust settled in his life, his wife told him basically to drop dead. His friends told him, were doing their best to convince him that he brought all this on himself. And if that weren't enough, then this chapter we find that God was nowhere to be found in the life of Job. It just seems like Job was isolated in his own universe and nobody to comfort him, nobody to come near him. Job felt isolated from God himself. You see, suffering can often drive us, drive a person into solitude. You've experienced that. We, we start singing the old Negro spiritual, nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Nobody knows my sorrows. In that way, suffering does us. It isolates us and gets us off into a corner where we think we're completely alone in this world. We've all been there. You've all shaken your heads and laughed at that. But the question is, how do I get out of it? We've all been isolated. We've all been lonely. There have always been times in our lives where we felt completely cut off from this world, but how do we get out of it? What is the antidote for loneliness in the midst of suffering? I believe our text, in our text, God gives us an illustration through the life of Job how every child of God can be delivered from the loneliest times of life. So how does God interrupt our loneliness? Well, first of all, I want you to realize the struggle inside of Job. The struggle inside of Job. In the first nine verses in this scene, there seems to be an inner struggle on the inside of Job's heart. A struggle to come to grips with, with, with all that has transpired in his life. If you'll first of all notice this struggle is a struggle of recourse. Recourse. You see, in the previous chapter, in the previous chapter 22, Eliphaz was basically, a, had tried to convince Job that it was his sin that was the cause of all this calamity. Eliphaz, look at verse, uh, chapter 22, look at verse 21. This is Eliphaz, one of the great friends of Job, basically taking and grinding him in the dirt further than he is already. But look at verse 21 in chapter 22. Acquit now thyself with him, be at peace thereby, Good shall come unto thee. Receive, I pray thee, the law from his mouth. Talking about God. And lay up his words in thine heart. If thou return to the Almighty, thou shalt be built up. 
Thou shalt put away iniquity uh, far from thy tabernacles. Then thou shalt lay up gold as dust, and gold of earth, O fear, as the stones of the brooks. Yea, the Almighty shall be thy defense, and thou shalt have plenty silver. What is he saying? If you'll just make things right with Job, you can turn this whole situation around, Job. If you just come clean with God and admit your sin, whatever it might be, then you'll, you'll come clean with God and God will get you out of this. Boy, doesn't that sound familiar in our day? There's a lot of preachers that tell you the reason for your calamity is because of your faith, your sin, and what's going on in your life. And we know from the book of Job, we know what's going on behind the scenes. We know that God has, has set forth Job as an example of faith, as an example of a man that hasn't wavered the devil said, well, if you, it's because you got all, he's got all this wealth. He doesn't turn on you. Well, God says, touch his wealth, touch his family, even touch his health and he'll turn back. You see, Job hadn't done nothing to incur this in his own life. In chapter number one, even God attested to the integrity of Job. So in verse two, uh, this, uh, this stro- we see this in verse two. Look at verse two in chapter 23. Even today is my complaining bitter. My stroke is heavier than my groaning. What he's saying is this stroke or this calamity or this this seeming punishment that is befallen him is greater, is louder, is more harsh than his groaning. He said, I'm getting more than I deserve. I'm getting more than my fair share. If I, in verse 3, look at what he said in verse 3. Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come even to his seat. He said, man, I wish I could find God. Eliphaz, I'd march you right in there with me and we'll talk to God and we'll find out the truth. There's nothing wrong with me. There's not a reason for this calamity to fall me, befall me because of my sin. Verse 4, look at what he says. I would order my cause before him and fill my mouth with arguments. He said, I've got a good case why this shouldn't be happening to me. I've got a, uh, 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 there, uh, look at verse, uh, look at the next verse. He said, and I would know, he would know my words and answer me and understand what I had to say. He said, well, if I were to come clean with God, Eliphaz, and if I had a courtroom, if I could find God, if I could locate him, if I could court him somewhere and I could present my case, God would find me innocent. God, would, God wouldn't find uh, this so-called sin for the reason of this calamity that has befallen me. You see, there's God, he's looking for some kind of court where he can explain himself. Now, I know Job has exclaimed to be a righteous man. I, I know he has exclaimed to be an upright man, an honorable man. But at the same time, doesn't it seem like Job is looking for a courtroom where he can explain himself? He's looking for a way of recourse. There's got to be a courtroom I can come into and explain my case of why this shouldn't be happening to me. Does any of this sound familiar? You know, a lot of times when we befall some great tragedy in our lives, we say, man, I'm getting more than my fair share. We talk a whole lot like Joe. Boy, it, 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 God, there's no reason that this should be happening to me right now. I'm getting more than my fair share. Uh, this, there's got to be some way that I can lay this before you and we can come to grips with the fact that I don't deserve this. Doesn't that sound like a lot of us when the, the difficulty arises in our lives? And when we have times of loneliness and, and times of suffering, you see, there was a struggle of recourse. There's got to be a courtroom. There's got to be a way I can explain myself. But not only a struggle with recourse, but a struggle of reasoning. Look at verse 5. 
He said, I would know the words which He would answer me and understand what He would say unto me. Will He plead against me with His great power? No, but He would strengthen me. And there the righteous might dispute with Him, so should I be delivered forever from my judge. You see, there is a reasoning that's going on inside of Job. He's not only looking for a way, a recourse, a courtroom, so to speak, but he's also trying to understand this whole thing. Trying to reason his way of why this shouldn't be happening to him. He's trying to figure out all, trying to figure all this out. If I could get a hearing, I know what God would say. He'd say, uh, he, he wouldn't, he wouldn't be against me, uh, but he would help me. And verse six said, he, he wouldn't plead against me. No, God would help me. God would come to strengthen me. God would help me in my, in my situation, in my loneliness. You, you notice that inner struggle on the inside. He's arguing with himself. He's arguing on the inside. He's looking for a way out. He's trying to find his way out. He said, if I could stand where the righteous do, in verse 7, he said, if I could stand where the righteous do and plead my case, I'd be acquitted from all my judgment. He said, I like what Clark said in verse 2. Clark said, nothing less than the fullest conviction of his own innocence could have led Job to express himself thus uh, to the judge of the quick and the dead. Job was absolutely convinced of his innocence. And yet on the inside, there is a trial. There's a struggle. There is a difficulty. There is a, a struggle on the inside of his own heart. Isn't that happened to us when we're the loneliest of our times? We talk, start talking to ourselves. Job didn't know what God was up to and tried to reason why this shouldn't be happening to him. And don't we do the same? God is, God, this shouldn't be happening to me right now. God, are you aware of what's going on? God, have you lost track of what my life, what's going on in my life right now? God, have you lost track of how lonely I am right now? An inner struggle with the why and if, and if you'll read in the book of Job, he never understands why. There's a constant question of why. You realize you find, you'll read the end and the entirety of the book of Job and God never tells him why. You may never know the why of your life. It may cause a struggle on the inside. You may look and grasp for answers and you may come out on the other side of the struggle like we know happened in the life of Job and never really know why. You see, this is a trial process. God is trying Job. God is testing Job. You see, we find that they must realize there's a struggle inside of Job. And maybe there's a struggle inside of you. A struggle of loneliness. A struggle to present your case. A struggle of reasoning. Why is this happening to me? That's natural. That's what Job is going through. Notice also, we find, we realize a struggle in Job, but also I want you to remember the seeking by Job. The seeking by Job. Look at verse 8. Behold, I go forward, but he is not there. And backward, but I cannot perceive him. On my left hand, where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. And he hideth himself on the right hand, that I cannot see him. You see, there is a seeking in Job, seeking by Job. The heart of Job's loneliness and solitude is not the, the betrayal of his wife. It's, or nor is it the allegations of his friends, 
the heart of his loneliness was the disappearance of God. He is seeking to and fro and he cannot find God. Notice, first of all, there's a seeming absence of God. A seeming absence of God. In verses 8 and 9, he said, I looked on my, I looked everywhere for God. He said, when, when he tries to just uh, c- uh, continue on, he said in verse 8, he said, if I go forward, you know, have that old attitude, I'm going to press on for it won't be very long. I'm going to keep going and I'll run into God. And Job keeps going forward and yet he can't find God. And maybe, maybe in the next one, in the next part, he said, I go backwards. Maybe he retraces his steps in his life and he retraces where he's been and the path he's taken. Maybe he can find God there. Maybe I've missed God somewhere and yet he can't find God there. He said, uh, he, uh, when, he, when he looks back, maybe he can uh, think about where he missed God. He looks around uh, himself and he can't find God. God was working at one time on this side, but yet he's not here. God was over here at one time, but yet I can't see him now. You see, we look around us in the things that we do and have and we do not find, we find that God is nowhere to be found. Haven't we all been in that place alone in crisis looking for God and it seems that God is absent? Isaiah 45, 15 says, Verily, thou art a God that hidest Himself, O God of Israel, the Savior. Our God is a God that hides Himself oft times. That's not readily conjured up by us. I remember that old show, I Dream of Genie. You remember I Dream of Genie? And uh, I Dream of Genie, Larry Hagman would go and get that lamp and he would rub on that lamp and the genie would just pop out of the bottle. Well, listen, that's not what God is in your life. He's not your genie to come popping out of the bottle when you, when you want Him to attend to your cry. He is a sovereign God. You see, it's a seeming absence of God. It's what, it's what Job is seeking. He's seeming, the seeming absence of God. But also the sure anxiety of man. You see, it is Job, it, it is as Job is in a panic here. In verse 2, what did he say? Oh, that I knew where I might find him. Job is in a panic situation here. And then in verse 8 and 9, he's running around like my mama used to say, with a, like a chicken with his head cut off. He's looking for God everywhere. He's unturning every stone, trying to find God. You see, it's the anxiety that causes. He's plead, he wants to plead his case and put an end to the trial. But God is nowhere to be found. This is the source of great anxiety. You know as well as I do, when you come into a trial and you begin to plead to God and pour out your case before God and it seems like the heavens are as brass and your, your prayers doesn't meet the, as high as the ceiling before they bounce down and, and God's nowhere to be found. This is a source of anxiety that the God's, uh, that, the, that the God whom we have loved and served has abandoned us in our hour of need. I remember several years ago, I went through just such a trial. A trial, a testing period where it just seems like God was a million miles away. I searched and pleaded and struggled and it seemed as though God had disappeared. Now, now remember what we're doing here. Remember what I'm trying to teach you here. I'm showing you in the life of Job that there aren't that you aren't the only one to say, I don't deserve what's been happening to me. Where in the world is God in the midst of my problem? You're not the only one to say, I've looked for God and I can't find Him. Don't think you're the only one in history that's ever come to God and say, God, I'm getting more than my fair share. 
And God, I wish you'd show up in the midst of my loneliness, in the midst of my trial. Don't think you're the only one. That's what I'm trying to prove here this morning. First of all, you need to re- realize the struggle inside of Job and that str- same struggle can happen in you and I. We need to also remember Job seeking. Hey, when you're trying to find God, remember Job was in the same exact place as you are. But notice also, notice rely on the sovereign of Job. Here's where things are beginning to change. Look at verse 10. But he knoweth the way that I take. And when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Job finally looks in the right place. You see, all the while, like that old country song, looking for love in all the wrong places. Job's been looking in all the wrong places. He's been looking horizontally when he needs to look vertically. That's a lot of our problems, isn't it? We try to find God on our level. We try to find God on our, uh, on our situation, on our plane of experience when we need to look up to Him. He, he needs to, he begins to put his uh, attention on the right place above. And in doing so, he finds the confidence to weather the trial. Job begins to look up to God and not around for God. Notice, first of all, we see a perceptive sovereign. Look at verse 10, the first part of the verse. But he knoweth, there's our, where God interrupts. But he knoweth the way that I take. Eliphaz in chapter 22 accused Job of saying that God couldn't see Job. That's what Eliphaz said in in the previous chapter. He is accusing Job that Job is saying, God can't see me. The clouds have hidden me from God. But that's not what Job said. No, Job all along, even from chapter uh, 10, said that God knows where he is. God knows all about him. Job may not be able to see God, but Job knew God could see him. Oh, what a, what a wonderful song Sister Linda sang about the shepherd. And oftentimes the sheep stray from the fold and they can't see the shepherd. But be assured, the shepherd sees the sheep. He knows where his sheep are. The same is true in our text. Job may not be able to see God, but God can see Job. Oh, then what, oh, what confidence we can find in trial and isolation in knowing that God knows my path. God knows the way that I take. It's not obscured by circumstances. It's not shadowed by Satan. God knows the exact path that I walk. He knows the way that I'm taking. He knows every step of the path that is placed before me. You see a perceptive sovereign that God, that Job looks to above him. Also a proving sovereign. Notice the second part of verse 10. But he knoweth the way that I take, and when he hath tried me, tried me. You know, Job seems to be coming to grips with the fact that this is a trial. That he hasn't done anything wrong. That it hasn't been for the cause of his sin or some grave punishment. But no, this is a test. It's like a, that old uh, commercial used to come on the radio. This is a test. It's only a test. Well, that's what Job comes to realize. This was a test. I believe it was last year when we, when we did the series on the battles of the Bible. How many remember that? The victories and the battles of the Bible we did last year. And I talked about, I believe it was Gideon. We talked about the battle for our faith. And, and I came out with a, with a statement. If you've got faith, it's going to be tested. What did I say? Faith possessed 
will be faith tested. Job was a man of faith. Job believed God. Job trusted God. And so God would, just like Abraham, was tested. His faith was tested when he laid Isaac on the altar on Mount Moriah. And now Job's, a man of faith, is being tested. He's not trying to consume you, Job, but to conform you. Oh, what a statement. He's not trying to consume you in your trial, in your isolation. He's trying to conform you, to make you into himself. First Peter 1 says, First uh, Peter 1 7 says that the trial of your faith bringeth much more, being much more precious than gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Peter knew it, that the trial of our faith brings forth the gold that is unto the glory of God. You see, this is the proving element in Job's trial. You need to understand that God perceives your path and that also this path is a path of proving, of trial, of conformity and not crushing. Notice the proving sovereign, but also the perfecting sovereign. Notice what he said. And I shall come forth in the last statement there, verse 10. I shall come forth as gold. You see, Job went in to win an argument with God. Job wanted to storm in and prove to his friends there was nothing wrong. But the whole idea is not winning an argument with God. The whole idea is becoming more like God. You see, that's what his goal is. That's what God's goal is in Job's life. And, and in this trial, it is, it is for God's conforming to bring out the dross of our lives and show forth the brilliance of the gold in our lives. You see, God is a refiner in our lives. And I, the trial is where the gold of our lives is purified, where the impurities are brought to the surface and revealed and removed. Job's confidence is that God, like a refiner of, of God, presides over the purifying of our lives. God is a refiner. Warren Wiersbe said this, when God puts His own people into the furnace, he keeps his eye on the clock and his hand on the thermostat. God knows what you can take. God knows what's going to bring forth the bitterness that is deep-seated in your heart. God knows what's going to take the self-righteousness that's buried so deep in our hearts. Bring it to the surface. He knows what trial will bring that to the surface. Uh, uh, Wiersbe went on to say he knows how long and how much we may question why he does it to begin with or why he doesn't turn down the heat or even turn it off, but our questions are only evidences of our unbelief. Gold, listen to this, gold does not fear the fire. The furnace can only make the gold purer and brighter. First Peter 4, 12-13 says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you, but rejoice insomuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. You see, God knows the trial. God is a master refiner. And He's a 
as He heats us up in trial, as He tries our faith, He brings impurity. You know, that's eventually what is brought out of Job. A a bit of a seed of self-righteousness. I mean, haven't you seen it? In the early part of these verses, there's that deep seed of self-righteousness in Job's life. Maybe that's what God's got to get out of each and every one of us. Maybe it's bitternesses. Maybe it's envies and strives in our own heart that God takes us through the fire. And as gold purified in the fire, God brings those to the surface. You see, and last of all, not only do we need to realize the struggle inside of Job and remember the seeking by Job and rely on the sovereign above Job, but finally, we need to reclaim the security within Job. Job had a security within himself. Job had something that he held fast to like an anchor which hold the ship in storms. These are to hold, these are hold fast that we can hang on to as well. Look at verse 11. He said, my foot hath held his steps. His way have I kept and not declined. First of all, we see the security of a righteous way. A righteous way. Job said, I've not departed from the righteous way. I've not forsaken the God's path, but I have followed in his steps. Job has a the confidence in a maintained integrity. Psalm 25, 12 says this, let, my, let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait on thee. Psalms 26, 1, judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in mine integrity. I have trusted also in the Lord, therefore I shall not slide. Proverbs 27 said, a just man walketh in his integrity. He said, I've walked in a righteous path, Lord. I've kept a short list. You know, used to, they had uh, in the general store days, in the local store days, they'd have a store down the road. And everybody would come down and they would, they would get certain gifts and they would put their, on, put that on their account and they'd write it down. How much, we do that down here at the gas station with our, with our gas. And they'll, they'll write down that we got so much gas and they'll write it down and he'll write it down the next time. And we'll put that on an account. Listen, it's good for us to keep short accounts when it comes to God. Now we're not perfect. And I don't think Job would claim to be perfect and without sin. But I believe Job kept short accounts with God. In the first chapter, daily Job went and made sacrificial offerings on behalf of himself and his family. Job wouldn't tell you he was sinless, but Job said, I have maintained my integrity. I've kept short accounts with God. I've walked in His path. You see, the old old preacher Bob Jones says, do right, do right. If the stars fall from the heavens, do right. That's what Job is saying. He said, I can have the surety that this is not punishment, but this is, this is trying in my life. Hey, he, he kept his integrity. He maintained his integrity. We should endeavor to do that in our lives in times of isolation, times of trial, times of loneliness. Let's not find ourselves walking down a wayward path. But let's keep our main, main integrity. Maintain our integrity. Have the security of a righteous way. That this is not some kind of chastisement or punishment, but this is purification. <laughs> this is trial by fire to bring forth a dross in our lives. Uh, notice also, not only the security of a righteous way, but also the security of a revealed word. Look at verse 12. He said, neither have I gone back 
from the commandment of his lips, I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Eliphaz said in chapter 22, verse 22, you need to receive God's word and Job, you need to put God's word in his heart. Well, Job said, I've already done that. I have kept God's word. I have hidden it in my heart. I have, I have had it more than my necessary food. He said, I haven't detoured from his word. Not only that, Job claimed to have esteemed or treasured the words of God more than his daily requirement for food. That Hebrew word there, uh, uh, more than necessary, means the necessary portion for a person to live on in a day. He said, I have treasured God's word more than what I need to survive physically. You see, that's one whole fast we can have. We have a revealed Word of God. It's much the thought of Jeremiah. Jeremiah 15, 16. Thy words were found and I did eat them and thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. Psalm 119, 103 said, How sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. See, one of the parts of isolation is and one of the things that people do when they become isolated through trial is they'll set the Word of God aside and they'll go it on their own. Job said, I've got some security in my isolation. Number one, I keep a short list with God. I maintain my integrity. I keep my path before God and God's statutes and also the Word of God. He said, I have treasured the words of the mouth of God more than my necessary food. Matthew Henry said this, and I love Matthew Henry. I heard a preacher say one time, anytime Matthew Henry says note in his commentary, you need to underline it. And that's true. Anytime Matthew Henry says note, listen to what he said here. He said note. The Word of God is our soul, is to our souls what our necessary food is to our bodies. It sustains the spiritual life and strengthens us for the actions of life. It is that which we cannot subsist without and that which nothing else can make up of the want of. And we ought therefore to esteem it, to take pains for it, to hunger after it, to feed upon it with delight and nourish our souls with it. This will be our rejoicing in the day of evil as it was Job's here. Job rejoiced in his calamity. He said, I've maintained my integrity. I have treasured God's Word. I know that this trial of, of isolation, this trial of difficulty, this trial of loneliness, when I can't find God, when I can't see God, is for my benefit to draw out the dross that needs to be brought in our life. And I know, Job said, on the other side of this trial, I'll be proved to be pure as gold. And in fact, it was. God restored unto him. God restored unto him after the dross was taken out. Now you remember, I don't know if you've read the book of Job, but there are 80 questions. God eventually does show up. <laughs> and God shows up in a whirlwind. That means a tornado. Amen. Job's going to see God here in a minute. He's going to show up in a tornado and he's going to give Job 80 questions Job, where were you when I laid the foundations of the world? Where were you when I created the mighty beasts of the field? Where were you when I hung the stars in the galaxy? And Job, you know what Job has? Job begins to put his hand over his mouth. 
All those arguments that he wanted to have with God in the end of the book, Job just said, just said, I will put my hand over my mouth. I'll not say one word. You see, what God drew out of Job was that little seed of self-righteousness. And God pulled it right out of Job's life. You see, it did happen. What did God do for Job? In the end, He gave him twice as much in herds and cattle and family. That poor wife, not only did she have, uh, 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 what was it, how many kids? She had, she had uh, uh, I think it was 10 kids before, but now she had to have 10 kids after that. Had to have 20 kids over her whole lifetime. But God gave him more than he started with. Twice as much. Why? Because the trial and testing was over. You'll never find the why. Maybe in heaven. I don't know. You think about that song we've been singing recently in the choir. We'll understand it better by and by. Maybe when we get to heaven, maybe we'll understand. Probably we won't care. Amen. Probably we'll forget all about the hardship of 2008 when we're in 3046 shouting the glory trail from planet to planet in the kingdom of God. All right? Maybe He will explain it. I don't know. But we know in this lifetime, God never explained what happened. He never set Job down to say, okay, Job, this was what it was at stake. God's integrity was at stake in Job's life. Job never knew that. Job never knew about God's challenge to the devil. Job never knew of how his life would be a tribute to the glory of God throughout all eternity in the Word of God. All he could see was right then and right there. And that's all we can see, can't That's all we can see. We can look on our left hand, look on our right hand, look around us. We can't find God, can't see God all times in trial and loneliness. But we can lift our eyes to heaven. And although it may be filled with clouds, it may be filled with cover of darkness, yet we can say with assurance, He knoweth the way that I take. And when I am tried, I'll come forth as gold. He knows the way that you take. I don't know what your calamity is. I don't know what your loneliness is and your struggle is. But I do know this. God can interrupt it. He can interrupt it by, his, by realizing that He can see where you are and that this trial will bring forth the best for your good and His glory. One author I read said this. He said, I like the, uh, the end of this passage. In one of the devotionals I read, he said this. Our trial and difficulties and loneliness will have transfigured by divine alchemy the base elements of self-confidence and self-assertiveness into the gold of God's goodness and God's grace. You know what happened in the life of Job? God's goodness was showed in the life of Job. God gave him more than he had when he entered the trial, and when he entered the trial, when he came out on the end of the trial, God doubled his amount, twofold what he gave him. But also God's grace is exhibited. You think about the end of Job. Have you ever read the book of Job at the end of Job? God blessed him and God gave him more children and flocks and herds and families. And then guess what? Guess what happened? His old friends began to show back up one by one and asking Job to pray for them. You know what? I bet if the old Job, the pre-trial Job, the pre-loneliness Job, if he would experience that, he'd have said, I tell you what, I'm not praying for y'all. 
Y'all come down here and y'all gonna beat on my head and tell me how bad I am. I ain't praying for y'all. But at the end of the book of Job, after that self-righteous, that, uh, that self-assertive, that, that self-assurance is pulled out of Job, we find Job bowing his head and praying for his friends. Matter of fact, I was wrong. That's when the captivity was turned in Job's life. When he prayed for his friends. You see, God did a work of goodness and of grace. That's the grace of God to be able to pray for your friends like that. They've tried to run you down, isn't it? Amen. Some of you shake your head. Some of you in that position right now, you won't pray for your friends that try to run you down. But the fact of the matter is, is that this trial brought out the best in the Job, in Job, showed God's goodness and showed God's grace. Are you lonely today? Are you in a trial and you feel like there is absolutely no one to help? Trials oftentimes isolate us from everybody. And the sad truth is, is oftentimes trials isolate us from God. And if you feel like God is a thousand miles away, I want you to know that He knoweth the way that you think. You haven't been lost in the crowd. God knows exactly where you are. And when this trial is over, you will come forth as gold. We can have the same whole fast that Job had. As we come with a song of invitation, listen, I've been talking about the child of God, Job. Job was a man of faith. Hebrew Hall of Fame member, Job, a man of faith. Listen, I'm not talking about the child, the person in this room that doesn't know the Lord Jesus. If you've never been saved and by faith come to Jesus Christ, admitting your sinful condition, receiving Christ as your Savior, you feel isolated for a reason. The hand of God, what does it say? Him that believeth not, the abideth the wrath of God upon them. The hand of God's wrath is upon you right now. The isolation from God is right now for those that don't know the Lord Jesus. Today's the day where you can have a relationship with God. We went down to the jail yesterday and preached about how we can have a relationship with God. It's not through the law. Eliphaz said if you just do right, Job, you could be in, in, in a right fellowship with God. That's not it. By the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified, but by repentance and faith, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ, we can be brought into relationship with Him. And we can claim with Job that He knows the way that we take. Let's all stand as we have a moment of invitation. I don't know what your trial may be. You may not be isolated right now. This may be, as one author said, the best of times. It may be the best of times for you. But you don't know what holds tomorrow. You may be giving sacrifice to God tomorrow and the reports come through. You've lost your job. You lost your family. Your wife has left you. Your friends have forsaken you. All in one day, you may live Job's life. I have several friends. I compare their lives to Job. Man, you got the luck of Job. I tell you what, something like always happening in their life. But I've seen their lives flourish to the glory of God through those trials. What about you today? Are you lonely? Do you feel like you've been exiled from God that He's nowhere to be found? Look up. And even when you look up, if the clouds seem to, to separate you, if there seems to be darkness on every hand, realize that God interrupts it with the truth, that He knows the way that we take. And when we have been tried, we'll come forth as go. I'm trusting to the unseen hand.
We hope and pray that today's episode of the Unseen Hand podcast has been a help and blessing to you. For more information such as other podcasts, ministry helps, blog posts, previous sermons, or how to contact Brother Brown directly, just go to RonnieBrown.net. Join us next time for another message from Brother Ronnie on the Unseen Hand podcast. Until then, may God's unseen hand gently guide you on your journey home. The Unseen Hand